0: Man, what is up? Gamecock Nation Monday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. We got plenty to get to, plenty to talk about. Recruiting, football team stuff, kickoff parties. We got so much to talk about, I didn't even know what to call the show. But first, we got to talk about my buddy Clint Hammond. ClintHammond.com is where you can find out any of the information you need about Clint. If you're in the market for a new home, want to know how this whole mortgage thing works, maybe you're overwhelmed, uh, just... Mortgage rates all over the place, up and down, very, very choppy. You want to kind of navigate what is a little bit of a difficult situation. Clint is your guy for this. The NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com, 803-422-6797. Probably the best way to get in touch with Clint. Again, as you all know by now, If you're, unless you're just brand new on the show, you've heard us talk about Clint over and over. I promise you, you can trust him if you're in that market. Give him a shout. He'll take care of you. Chris, uh, dude, plenty to get to. Scrimmage number two. That typically means you're starting to just ease. You're almost into game week. Like you, you got one more week of kind of position battles. A lot of times coaches are in this process now trying to figure out who's a scout team guy, who's a starter, who's a rotational player, who's maybe not in the rotation on offense or defense, but it's going to be a special teams guy. These battles, these storylines start to sort of take shape and and kind of wind down a a bit in this next, I would say like right now, actually this, this week we're we're going into right now after the second scrimmage, a couple of commitments for South Carolina, Xavier and Hardy on Sunday. Obviously we talked about the commitment of Xavier McLeod, our live show that wasn't really a gc live it was just kind of uh, right after mcleod committed so i, I want to get to him a little bit today as well just for people who haven't heard it who just listened to the podcast side of things and um kickoff party as well man I, I know people who probably were were not at the party or didn't come out or live out of state probably tired of us talking about it by now but they're just gonna have to indulge us one more time um it was fun man what uh what what was your biggest takeaway from Game Cognation and, and all the folks we got to catch up with and see on Saturday at Still Hands presented by 181 Venture Club?
1: Man, you just threw a lot out at the people right there. That was that was a lot. There is so much to talk about, so much to unpack. We could probably sit here for hours it would not be very wise from a productivity standpoint. But yeah, I, I feel I feel for the people who couldn't make it. Obviously, if you're across the country or you had something going on, it's tougher to make it. Try next year. There will be a year three unless Wes and I and the rest of the crew fall off the face of the earth. We definitely are going to do year three. As we know, I did not make year one. Year two seemed awesome. I think, I think we wanted to do it bigger and better. I think we did it bigger and better. Uh, the best part for me, Wes, just meeting some of the folks, Craig, Gamecock Ryan, Right here in the chat, as usual, several others that, uh, you know, are friends of the show, so to speak. We got to meet them. So that that was really cool. Um, it was cool just kind of seeing all the fruits of the labor out there, but definitely meeting the people. And, and I really thought, man, having the current Gamecock athletes out there, that was a really, really cool thing for me to see. Uh, you know, had a few of the football players to carry on joiner. Marshawn Lloyd, they were out there. Javon Gwynn, they were out there. They had to come a little bit early because they had the scrimmage that evening. So the crowd wasn't in full force. But seeing those guys, seeing the others, Gigi Jackson was incredible. Just a man of the people. Um, It was a blast, man. So I just really, really enjoyed seeing all the Gamecock fans out there having a good time. That was the best part for me.
0: Man, I I said this on the radio, but um, NIL for events like this, is a freaking game changer and you know nil has gotten this negative spin for, from some people from some places and, and you know i'm I'm not saying it's perfect in any way i get it anytime you do something new you got to tweak you got to make changes you got to figure out the best way for this to work for everybody right for all the headlines about you know this guy got this much money as an inducement uh allegedly to go to this school and all this stuff that you see and people talk about, um, what about all the, just really, really legitimate ways that NIL can be used for student athletes to, to benefit from what is, I mean, in this case, Chris, it's quite literally, they were paid for their time to come out and, um, you know, basically provide a service to come out and, and meet and greet and, and have, have conversations with fans. And I think, um, for them it's obviously a game changer but for us too man for businesses is an absolute game changer so that was cool on both ends of it you should, if you're a carolina fan you should like really be so proud of the way all those guys and girls uh, just carried themselves and represented your university class acts all the way around every single literally chris every single fan that was there for the vip part and met a south carolina student athlete just raved about how they carried themselves. And uh, let let me just tell y'all real quick, Gigi Jackson is one of the most impressive human beings I have ever met in uh, covering South Carolina athletics. I'm not putting this on him from an on-field, on-court, you know, on the playing surface spot yet, but, He's already a five-star. He was the number one prospect in the country, so that kind of comes with the territory. But I left just after, like, truly being around him for the first time, thinking Marcus Lattimore territory, Asia Wilson territory, like, just complete package. And I know the, the I guess, the expectation – Um, is that, you know, he'd probably be at South Carolina for one year. Like, that's always kind of been the expectation. So we'll see how much impact a guy could possibly make in in one season. But, man, to have this kid representing your school, um, the Gamecocks are extremely fortunate because I was just blown away with how mature he is and how down-to-earth he is and how humble he is to be as good as he is and at the age that he is.
1: Yeah, and you know, when we were putting this together, Wes, obviously Gigi was somebody we wanted to get there, and so we reached out to the folks at Garnet Trust, Jeremy Smith, who did a phenomenal job getting the players there, making sure they were comfortable, making sure everything was facilitated the right way on that front. And I do remember asking somebody, hey, you know, when we have Gigi there, is he comfortable doing this? Is he comfortable doing that? And it was things like, being in big crowds, meet and greet. You you don't want to put somebody in a situation. you got to lay out the expectations, but also make sure that they're going to be comfortable. And the answer was always, oh, absolutely. He'll be good with that. He's fine. And so he gets there, and obviously as soon as he gets there, because he's a giant, it creates a buzz. And he just goes out. I mean, nobody has to tell him anything. He just goes out there. He's shaking all the hands. He's taking all the pictures, autographs. Couldn't be more personable. So, um, super impressed with that. Then, obviously, we had a chance to go back there and listen. Uh, I had to watch a lot of it later, Wes, because I was running around. But I know you were back there for his interview with Colin Taylor. That was fantastic as well. I mean, super, super impressive kid. So, yeah, definitely going places. Really, really like the way he carried himself um, at the event. It it was kind of the first time I got to be around him and see, you know, how he conducted himself as well. So, it was very impressive.
0: Yeah, and he actually was only—he um, was only the only expectation was for him to come hang out in like the little VIP tent. And you look up, man. He—he literally—he walked around and met. I think any anybody that wanted to talk to him got to meet him because he was—he was working the room, man. That—that that kid's going to be—I don't want to say he's going to be a politician because that's like—it's an insult to Gigi. I feel like like this guy is going to be yeah. a leader, you know, like a. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to say it. Like it was just that it was that impressive, y'all. So um so cool. Appreciate him, man, the way he carried himself. And um, yeah, if you if you haven't seen that interview yet, it is on our um on our YouTube page, the same spot. A lot of you are probably watching this show. So youtube.com slash gamecock central. Um all in all, appreciate everybody who came out, supported, um, you know, the former players that were out there, the lettermen that were out there. Um, you know. Preston Thorne running our, our player panel was awesome. Uh, Patrick Davis, the, the various bands that were there were great. Um, Michael Haney, getting to see him on stage was cool. A lot of you probably remember Michael from his, his days at 107.5. It was great to catch up with him, man. He's doing fantastic, living out a dream. Uh, so it was cool. It was it was fantastic all the way around. And I'm already excited for year three, but we're going to take a beat. We're going to take a break on that before we uh, <laughs> start planning that. Let's, let's talk football, though. I know that's what y'all are here for. Scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, if you're a Gamecock Center subscriber, uh, first of all, you should be. You better be. Go check it out. Just posted some notes. Chris, uh, I had you proofread my notes, so uh, you kind of know the stuff I'm going to be talking about anyway. It's more of like a, not here's what exactly happened in the scrimmage. It's kind of like here's what you need to know going into what is almost game week. Like here's, here's This is kind of the a summary of the scoop I've picked up the last – what, two to three weeks, really. Um, some expected things along the way, I think. Maybe some surprises over the last three weeks. Um, There's been some in- interesting developments that I think we're kind of just starting to get a feel for some of these position battles and where they're headed.
1: Yeah, and the next words out of my mouth were going to be exactly what Craig just said. Biggest news, no injuries. And... That's the first piece of info I actually picked up, and I know you and I talked about that this weekend. They stayed healthy. Um, they still have some guys out, as we know. Christian Smith. my understanding is that Marshawn Lloyd and Josh Van have still been limited. Still kind of waiting to get those guys back 100%, but the good news is the expectation is they will get them back at 100%. What exact day it is, we'll see. By the way, footnote, Shane Beamer has a press conference tomorrow, so we'll have all the typical coverage of that. And our expectation is that he will give an injury report and rundown uh, at that time. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been not just the scrimmage where we understand that, you know, I heard some defensive guys were flying around, heard some more positive buzz about some guys offensively, but I know you had a lot of bigger picture notes there and, You know, just kind of seeing the progression of some of the wide receivers, I think has been a fascinating angle because we know Corey Rucker has, you know, he he had been limited in practice last week. You've got the van angle. We know Josh Van's gonna be playing for this this football team. So that's not a huge storyline, but Amarian Brown, a guy you mentioned, Wes, is continuing to hear really good things about. This is a kid that has a lot of speed. He had his best game in the last game that South Carolina played against North Carolina, had five catches, started to see how his talents could be utilized in this offense. I think between him and just thinking about some of the other receivers with Spencer Rattler, kind of has your wheels turning a little bit um, as the season gets closer.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting, um, kind of how these guys pull for each other, man, and it's not just a press conference, it's not just a not just a public thing, but um, one of our – members uh, posting about his experience with some of the players at the kickoff party and was talking about how to carry on joiner was bragging on Amarian Brown and just how Amarian has uh, taken that next step. And we, you know, we saw it, like you said, the end of last year, we saw it in the spring was even telling that story. Uh, I think you and I shared eventually about how at camp they were doing the forties um, for high school camp and Amarian's just like, well, let me just see what I'll run today. And busts out like a sub four three 40 yard dash. Oh, has yeah. Everybody just sitting there like, what the like you made that look easy. And yeah, you know, we we see that sometimes with new players, not sub four 40s but I mean, <laughs> they come in, there are some expectations. I remember the I remember the day he committed to South Carolina. Shy Smith was the name. You know, this is gonna be the guy that's gonna sort of replace what Shy Smith did. And um you know it just it never quite all came together last year but sometimes it just takes that one full season for it all to click in and i think brown probably going to be one of those kids on this team man that's just not i don't think he's going to lead the team in receiving but it's just another talented weapon that can get open and mm-hmm. that that is sort of i think what we all anticipated in general with this receiving core and I would say receiving plus tight end core. But we're kind of seeing it come to fruition. Chris, I still don't know if we quite know how it's going to play out like statistically. Who's going to be the leading receiver? Who's going to be second? Who's going to be third? So many variables for that. Uh, but I, I think there's probably six or seven guys at receiver that if they're all healthy, you feel pretty decent about them making some level of contribution to this team
1: yeah you do you, you look at last year and Josh Finn was the leading receiver i think he had 43 catches so that was his breakout season he still didn't put up huge numbers you know like when we think of a huge season for a receiver what do we typically think of i don't know 60 70 catches you know something like that obviously and you made this point earlier on our on our show on 175 the game is the touches just in general were not there for the entire offense you figure that South Carolina is going to take a leap forward in terms of being able to stay on the field longer this year, and that's going to up the opportunities for everyone. Now, how they're distributed, we don't know that yet. Um, Will Josh Van be the leading receiver? I don't know if we even know that. I mean, Juice Wells or somebody else might have um, lay their claim to that. But they do have some guys that have skill sets that I think is certainly fair to say have been underutilized. And I think a big part of that was just the offensive struggles in general. I think Jaheim Bell, I think, was the second leading receiver last year with 30 catches. Not Again, not a huge number. We know Jaheim Bell is going to probably get the football a lot in this offense, whether it's carrying the ball straight out of the backfield, whether it's jet sweeps, whether it's playing the slot, matching up with guys. um, do have more flexibility in their personnel. They are expected to take a step forward in quarterback play. And so that's going to increase opportunities for everybody. I think what we saw in the bowl game was, now keeping in mind that North Carolina, not a great defense, right? Especially the end of last year, they they were struggling. But South Carolina did take advantage of it. And they took it advantage took advantage of it better than they had all season with some wrinkles, with some interesting and creative personnel packages. I think that's what it's all about for this team this year. Marion Brown, as you said, is a 4-3, sub-4-3 guy. He's a tough cover one-on-one. He's a guy that you get out into space in the flats. He's maybe difficult to run down. And so you see how they use him in the bowl game, some little swing passes, getting him in motion. That's the type of thing he can do. Is he going to catch 60 balls? Probably not. That might be a Juice Wells. That might be somebody else. Um, But they do have more offensive weapons this season. And I think that combined with quarterback play and other factors, that's probably why Gamecock fans are more excited about this offense, and that's why Phil Steele is projecting, you know, more points for this offense this season.
0: Yeah, man, and I think uh, just to accentuate a point you just made, it it is hard, it's dangerous to just compare the stats for last year to this year when you're looking at individuals because uh, of that very point. You, if this goes as planned, if this goes as you're drawing it up they're going to be on the field offensively a lot more than they were last year. There'll be a lot more opportunities for these guys. I tend to think they want this offense, Chris, to be fairly balanced, but I also am going to talk out of both sides of my mouth and say, you don't get a Spencer Rattler and bring him in here to hand the football off. Like they've, they've, they've actually been somewhat, they've been somewhat quiet about exactly how they want to, call this offense I think it, it is is the same it seems to be the same offensive playbook you know every you are you're, you're always adding and subtracting to an extent but it's not a, it's not a makeover is what i'm trying to say however you can call it all these different ways um as far as tr- actual play calling i don't think you bring in Spencer rattler to hand the football off no matter how good you feel about your running backs so I think the ball is going to be moved around. I think all these guys are going to have opportunities. And, and dude, it's going to be about who, who can take advantage when the ball is in the air. That, that's ultimately going to decide how the ball sort of ends up being facilitated, I think. But it's a fun conversation. It's a fun conversation for the fans because it it sure beats, well, is there a number one, which is the conversation, you know, I think we were having last year. So, you know, all this is an upgrade from from that conversation. And I I think you're just – you're starting to see the pieces come together all the way around. Um, You know, Austin Stogner, man, obviously he came in with uh, a lot of hype, uh, you know, coming in with Spencer. It feels like it's been a little bit quiet about Stogner among the fan base right now. Um, It's not quiet about Stogner in that long ops building. Right now, like there's a lot of excitement, and I think we maybe I don't know. I think we and I just meet everybody like around the program, like fans, media. I don't know if he's gotten enough love for how good of a pass catcher he is. Like, he's it's a different skill set than Jaheen, but they say this guy's like a dog, like, the ball is in the air, Stogner's ripping it down. So, I, I think special team or excuse me. Red zone wise, I think down the seam, when everybody's focused on everybody else, it seems like having a big tight end who can just run down the seam when the safeties are worried about everybody else can actually be a huge advantage. And it can't hurt that Spencer Rattler has more uh, rapport with him than anybody else on the team, you would think.
1: Yeah, he has been kind of lost. Like, plenty of people have talked about Juice Wells. Plenty of people have talked about Corey Rucker. Um, obviously, Spencer Rattler, like that's a different level than anybody, but he he has gone under the radar for what he is. So let's recap what he is. He's a guy who has a lot of college experience, he's a former four star guy out of high school. Um, he's 6'5, 250. As you said, he's already got a rapport on the field and a friendship with Spencer Rattler. And then just go look at what he's go look up some clips of him playing in Oklahoma. Um, he hasn't played as much ball for his age because he has had some injuries, but he's caught some passes. I mean, he's he's caught. Let's see, he caught forty-seven balls in his career and eight touchdowns. So you're bringing in a guy at a tight end position with size experience of rapport with your starting quarterback who has legitimate ball skills. He can run, he can catch the ball in the open field. Um, and he can also catch the ball over smaller defenders. So it is just interesting with all the, and I think well-deserved, you know, kind of hype, not in a negative way, that guys like Rucker and Wells have gotten. You remember the the craze over Oscar Delp, you know, like in the 2022 class who's a great prospect, don't get me wrong. But it's kind of, I totally agree with you, it's kind of just gotten pushed to the side. Oh, Austin Stadner, cool. He's going to play a key, key role, I think, in, in this offense.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be fun, man. I, and I, I think the way this thing's probably going to be structured, there will probably be several guys that fans are, are maybe going, well, why didn't they get the ball to this guy this week? Why didn't they get the ball to this guy this week? That, And then you're kind of going to have to go back and be like, well, that's because the ball went to that guy. Well, you you hope and you know in theory, if you're a Gamecock fan, that's the answer. It's not. Well, it's because the offense had 50 plays on the field. It's more like, well, this was Juice Wells' week where he just went off because that's the way it played out. You know, there will be weeks though. I, I, you know, Stogner may not touch the ball. Then there may be weeks where he catches seven passes for two touchdowns. Like I, I think it's just gonna, you know, and and they're. There are going to be weeks probably where a guy on the team says, Hey you Gum, know, coach, why, you know, to himself, why why am I not getting the football? And it's, well, that's the way it played out that week. So I think that's going to be one of the most intriguing things about it, Chris, is just seeing how this whole thing actually plays out and comes together as far as ball distribution and uh the structure of this offense. Um, defensive side of the ball, Mokaba's name keeps coming back up. Um, quietly, and I didn't know this, didn't remember this, didn't lock this in my brain until I saw the Garnet Trust tweet about him joining Garnet Trust Connect, uh, which everybody go check that out, obviously, com. He was the defensive most improved player in the spring. Sometimes we all know that doesn't carry over completely. But the buzz is real on Mo Kaba right now. I I see there's a there's a world I can see where Mokaba ends up being the leading tackler on this team this year. Like this comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and ends up being the guy at linebacker. I think I'm my my antenna is up on Mokaba breakout season this year.
1: You moving in that direction? Yes. Game one is Mokaba definitely a starter. Or is this everybody in the building going, Okay, Mo's probably our starter by game three. You know what I mean? Like kind of let it play out. Almost like the uh you know, you know, when you got the backup quarterback and it's kind of inevitable that it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I think that's a great question. I, I don't know which direct I think Mo Cabo, I think Mo's a starter at at some point this year.
1: I see that, and and Travis made a great point here on Mo. You know, there's been a lot of fan expectations questions about him over the years. You know, why, why hasn't he done it yet? And and the knee injury took a while than a while longer than is typical nowadays for ACLs. Had it in high school, it just hampered his development. But he looks great physically. Um, he's always been a very talented kid. You're talking about a big physically imposing violent football player um and so like from a trait standpoint and how he looks i would say wes probably the most impressive guy from a physical trait standpoint in that room right now um, and it's really started to show on the field as he's continue acclimating he seems 100% healthy that's a big big that would be big if he had not taken even this big of a leap just to have a healthy mokaba who could come in he took more snaps last year than I think I realized, but being able to have him come in and really push and really, really feel good about putting him in, it gone from that, which would be positive development to, okay, this kid may be a really good player for us on defense. I think that's kind of the direction the, the coaching staff and everybody around the program is now gone.
0: Yeah. So definitely circle that, follow that. will be very, very interesting there. Um, it's kind of funny, man. There's you, you, always you go in, you kind of think you know, you think you know what's going to happen. There's just a guy or two that emerges, and um, it just plays out differently than, than you expect. Um, I, I don't want to be the one to try to call this battle yet either because I think it is kind of close, um, and I don't want to speak for coaches, but doesn't it seem like, and I know it's a very small sample size, when we're out there, doesn't it seem like Boogie Huntley finds his way into the first group besides Zach Pickens,
1: I think. I think we're gonna ha- uh, we're gonna see in game one. It seems like there's gonna be an all Hammond School side of, of that defensive line with Jordan Birch and and Boogie Huntley out there. Um, well, Boogie, and, and the thing was, man, on the first welcome home series, Boogie Huntley got a good bit of airtime during uh, the spring game that had him mic'd up. Uh, That's one of my favorite
0: scenes, actually, from it.
1: Yeah, it was great. He got shorted a sack. probably still salty about it. Maybe he maybe he takes it out on Georgia State. We'll see. That's what, um, that's
0: the chip he's playing with right now. He's
1: got coach shorted me a sack. They need to remind him of that all year. But no, he's. I mean, look. You remember, man, when he was coming out of high school, since same class as Jordan Birch, and we would talk to Eric Kimry about the guys there at the time. They had Birch and Huntley in 2020. CJ Stokes, Michigan. Sani in 2022 was a young one that was coming up. Remember seeing him for the first time, and we were consistently told, "Hey, everybody's talking about Birch. He's a five star. He's got this giant offer list. But Boogie Huntley has a chance to be a really, really good NFL level type player as well." Is what Eric Kimry always thought, and you know, here we are. He's gotten his feet wet. He's gotten some playing time. That was kind of the question. We knew Zach Pickens would be a starter, but who's the other guy? Beside him is it, is it an MJ Webb in his sixth year who had a good year last year? Is Tonka Hemingway out there? You know, like who who's the guy? And as it turns out, man, it really looks like Boogie has put his stamp on that. Other guys will play. They they've got some depth at that position, Um, but it he's done a really really good job for himself. It looks like.
0: Yeah, man i uh, I remember that story. You know, something about a, a young Boogie had like mapped out the ideal size that these future professionals were when they were his age, you know, and and just like the progression of size, strength, uh, body type, stuff like that for guys that kind of fit what what he does. And I was like, man, this kid's built a little different um, as far as how he thinks about things. And also, wasn't he a student body president or student body vice president at Hammond?
1: Yeah, Hammond, I think he was the student body president. Yep.
0: Yeah. So smart, smart kid, built different all the way around. Like uh that's cool for Boogie. Boogie's always been, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites, but Boogie's always just been an impressive dude. For sure. Um, every time you talk to him, very down to earth. Um, so good for him, man. This uh and that's that's a good group. Like they felt good about that group all off season, I think. And um, you know, Tonka is still gonna play a ton. MJ Webb, shoot, man. Don't forget TJ Sanders, Nick Barrett behind them. Like there, there's some depth at, at that defensive tackle spot. So we'll be will be interesting. Um all right. Any anything else on team you got, Chris, before we move ahead to recruiting?
1: Well, I did want to make one more point offensively. Um before you know, we moved into defense. I think you look at last year and going back to kind of the point about how you distribute the football. Last year, just being realistic, there were tons of problems. We don't need to relitigate it. If you want to go look at what we said, go look at all the GC lives after the game from last year, if you really want to do that to yourself. Um, if a lot of people wanted to boil it down to one problem, there were so many problems, you know, offensively in terms of why the performance wasn't consistent. But I do think if everybody on this football team would have been healthy, And even if you think the play calling last year could have been to X level, whatever your expectation was, it shouldn't have been super, super high. Just take play calling is really great. Everybody's healthy. That offense, in my opinion, still wouldn't have been super explosive because there were still personnel limitations. As it turned out, they had all that. Plus, they really just didn't get get the scheme situated for most of the season. And then you had all the quarterback issues, right? Your starter goes down. You got Jason Brown. You got Zeb Nolan. There's just not a lot of consistency there. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with injuries, but you have a firm starter that you feel really good about, and you have more faces, and you have some guys on last year's team that had developed, Xavier Leggett, Amari, and Brown. Certainly you feel better about them than last year. So last year, I think South Carolina's coaching staff probably putting together plans in the middle of the season and they would get into the game, and it's very quickly, you know, like, <laughs> can't do that. Now, I think you you have a little bit more of wiggle room. We got Inver- sound effects now. It's like a Jim Rome. I think people make fun of Jim Rome because he would start crumpling papers and throwing them and stuff. I hope that wasn't important. It was blank. No. Or it's probably some chicken scratch. I, th- I think I just went on that whole diatribe just so I could rip a piece of paper. Yeah, that plan the whole time. Yeah, it wasn't. It was but my points still stand. I think everybody's hit on that. You know, there 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 is, though, I think more scheme flexibility this year and even in game. You got to think about that. These coaches game plan, well guess what? The other side game plans too. And so when you get in to these games, you got to be able to adjust. And I think they'll have a little bit more capacity at least to adjust in games this season.
0: Well, you're going to have more options if something's taken away from you as well, I think, you know, yep. Yep. Um, or if a guy goes down, um, you know, if a guy gets hurt, you got, you have options. So, yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, before we get to recruiting, I want to tell you all here briefly, if I can find my graphic, there's a lot going on over here. Chris has put me off off my game with uh, pulling his sound effects out of the hat. Uh, Liberty Tax, our friends right here in the Columbia area, give them a call, 803-462-5576. Uh, my friend Larry over there has uh, graciously supported GC Live here, and I want you to support him as well. they got several locations around Columbia. Uh, there's a new one at 551 St. Andrews Road that's by the Harbor Freight. There's an Lexington office by Dunkin' Donuts. That's at 1123 South Lake Drive and in Irmo by Kroger at 7467 St. Andrews Road. Obviously, tax deadline for this year is passed, but there's still plenty the tax team at Liberty Tax can help you with you own a small business, you need advice, bookkeeping, payroll services, LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps. Or if you unfortunately owe money to the IRS, uh, give them a shout. They'll help you through a very, very daunting process. Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out, Larry. Appreciate you, man. Um, again, all we, all we ask, we encourage you. Just give the people that support us a chance. And uh, Larry, I promise, will take care of you over there at Liberty Tax. Chris, recruiting run has been impressive. The latest from Xavion Hardy, four-star defensive lineman from Georgia. Commits to South Carolina. I would say not necessarily a surprise uh, that they got him. I think it had started to trend back in their direction. But it it did kind of pop up a little bit out of nowhere just in the timing of it being yesterday. But uh, Gamecocks are happy regardless of of when the commit came. What are your thoughts on let's go – Big picture, because that'll give me time to pull his highlights up. We'll talk about the player in a second. Big picture, what does it mean for Carolina to add another talented, what I would call a disruptor, up front?
1: Well, a lot of the conversation is centered around the offensive line class that South has put together with fans even asking, okay, where on paper does this rank to any class, kind of in the recruiting rankings online history? I got the first question today, Wes, or we got the first couple questions about how about the D-line class? Where is it starting to rank? Um, It's not there quite yet with some of the other ones, but certainly big picture, zooming out, you add Xavion Hardy, all of a sudden you're now at a trio of four-star defensive linemen. Your top three commitments are all trench guys. Hashtag trenches, right? Saw that going around social media. Markey Anderson is the highest-ranked guy right now offensive line number two is now zavion hardy and then number three is xavier mcleod of course aside from mcleod and hardy they also have a commitment from monarchy rames the in-state edge prospect so i think here you have three prospects that are pretty different monarchy rames is definitely an edge xavier mcleod definitely a defensive tackle hardy for me is an inside guy as well but he's different than mcleod different body composition different skill set You look at him, he's 6'5", 250, 260 rather. Um, I think South Carolina did a really good job here. It's just a great example of how they built towards this 2023 class. This is where we're seeing some of those longstanding relationships that Shane Beamer and his staff had to start building once he arrived in December 2020. Hardy was offered in March of 21, and now they've carried that recruitment through some bumps and some ups and downs all the way to where they have now a verbal commitment from him. Sorry, I know I'm muted, but um, if you're on the other screen, you cannot unmute yourself.
0: So that was the brief pause. Um, There you see it right there. Here are his highlights. This guy, Chris, um, he's one of the originals, I I feel like. We started here, and that's because just talent-wise, I mean – Upside through the roof, and um, I'm with you, man. I I think, I think he's kind of like a true like three technique type guy that can be athletic but play inside and um, can just give guards fits. And um, you know, man, I I think uh, they they obviously have like kind of I don't want to say they're in perfect position, but when you just sort of look, you got some, you got an older guy and Zach Pickens starting, you got some. You got an older guy in MJ Webb right now with the second team, along with sort of a, a third year player in Tonka coming along beside him. You got a couple of young guys behind them at defensive tackle. Now you kind of put yourself in a position. I think reload is a little bit too strong at this point, but you're stacking them the way you you want to. This is the way you stack them to where you're not sitting there three years from now going, oh, man, we're losing two starters and a reserve, and there's nobody in place to come in and play. Like, I, I think this is an ideal stacking of class situations if you look at the interior of the defensive line. It's the it's the spot you want to soon be at edge, you know, because yeah. that's not the spot they're in right now at edge.
1: Right. They, they are in a good mix. Of, like, you look at defensive tackle, it is probably one of the deeper rooms in the team. That said – you know, if we go back to kind of on-field impact, there's a lot of improvement left to do there, right? I mean, stopping the run was something that was talked about a lot last season. But they do have talent there. The guys you mentioned, Boogie Huntley, you have the, the youngsters there with TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett. Sanders has drawn a lot of great reviews. And Nick Barrett's a very impressive kid who's very strong in his lower body. And I think those two are going to have a chance to be the two guys of the future This allows you an opportunity to bring in a a McLeod, a Hardy, bring them along, develop them, and then they turn into the guys. Then you start thinking, Wes, about the opportunity in this class to bring in another priority guy, Elijah Davis from junior college. A guy that's going to have some seasoning and experience if South Carolina can get him. Uh, Doesn't have an on three consensus ranking, but on three likes him a lot. They have him as a four star, as the number three JUCO uh, prospect overall in the country and the number one Juco defensive lineman in the country. You add him, now you've got McLeod, Hardy, and Davis at defensive tackle, and there's work to be done on the edge, as you said, but you feel good about that class if you can get them all enrolled, all in place, and and all developed.
0: Definitely, man. I, I, I continue to feel pretty good about where they're at with Elijah Davis. I know the competition is pretty stout there, but they – That, you know, Jimmy Lindsey, Jody Wright, uh, his connections in Mississippi with him being, you know, at me, with uh, Elijah being at East Mississippi, and then, of course, being from the state of South Carolina. Um, You got some things working in your favor there, I think, with him. So, really a chance for an outstanding defensive line class uh, as far as the interior guys. And then all of a sudden, you have South Carolina sitting there, what we're exactly a week from. The uh, Desmond Yemea Zulu announcement. There's there's chatter about the Gamecocks coming on strong here. They've tried to make a really strong push. Ohio State had been kind of the industry consensus pick, I feel like, for a while. Then I don't even know the details, y'all. You have the rumblings about, you know, did the visit not go well? Did a visit not go to well to at Ohio State? I don't know. Then you have some, some losers. Calling um, Desmond out on a YouTube stream or something, I saw, and I, I don't know what happened with all that, y'all. But
1: some losers.
0: I mean, you have grown men calling out a uh, oh, no. high school kid. Oh, that's uh, awesome. it, it was not. It was not a good look uh, for those guys. But Chris, uh, all of a sudden, it just kind of feels like South Carolina is really, really strong in this thing. He took an official visit back in June had good response on that. And um, this would be an excellent addition for them if they could pull it off to pair him, you know, with with rames And then, you know, of course, Nick Harbor out there as well. We'll see what position he ends up playing. But Sterling Lucas, man, put putting him in position, I feel like.
1: You know, I, I think we'll get to Harbor in a second. I want to reserve that for a different – little bit of like a different – that would be a level up, like a video game reference. Um Desmond, U, if they could get him, now you've got two four-star ends in the class, and that would give you five four-star defensive tackles overall, or not defensive tackles, five four-star guys up front, right? I mean, you'd have McLeod, um, you've had Hardy, you'd have Rams, Desmond, and if you could get Elijah Davis, that would give you five. Three defensive tackles, two edge guys. That would be a heck of a class on paper. Um, and not when you, you know, not just staring at a ranking, kind of talking to some people about the guys watching their film, that would have a class that would be a class that would have a chance to develop into a a pretty formidable front. Um, you go Nick Harbor. Now you're talking about, you'd have six guys (laughs) on the defensive front. Now Harbor could do, he could play edge. Maybe he's tied in. Maybe he's who the heck. I mean, you put him, put him wherever you do anything. Yeah. He'd do anything that would take it really next level. But I mean, Desmond, you, this kid, South Carolina, there you just posted for those that are watching on the beginning of his huddle. He has his first 10 graphic South Carolina. Actually, we've talked about a bunch of guys that they got in extremely early with. This is a guy where it came on a little bit later. And you shouted out Sterling Lucas. Lucas has done a great job building trust with Desmond U to where now they look like – South Carolina looks like they're in the top two at worst with him going into next week's announcement.
0: Yeah, they've pushed really, really hard here lately. And it seems like there's traction. You know, we'll see if they can pull it off. Um, I don't think you can project it yet, like project it that it's going to be South Carolina yet. but. I think momentum is maybe the way I would explain it. I think there is momentum here, quite, quite easy. I, I feel like I can feel comfortable saying that is what I'm trying to say. So we'll see, man. I think um, that that would be exactly what you're looking for. And then Harbor, as we uh, get in and talk about him a little bit, everybody wants to talk about Nick Harbor right now, and I and I get it because this guy is a unicorn. Like he is amazing on and off the field, super smart kid can do it all track stand out, Maybe be, you know, might be an Olympic athlete on track. Um, I'll say this. It's probably too, or like, I, I get this question asked all the time, Chris. And it's, I, I, I love the, the interest in it, but you know, well, where are we at with Harbor? Where are we at with Harbor? Can, can we get Harbor, you know, from South Carolina fans? I think it's just way, way, way too early to say anything like that because this is not a kid who's been one of the ones that has identified with the idea of I'm going to go ahead and finish the process right now. So much can happen between now and December. So I think it's just really hard to say. Can we say South Carolina is in it? I think we can very safely say that. Have they, I believe, risen up that list? I think we can say that as well. Um, but even down to, you know, Zach here uh, on YouTube says, Harbour wants to play tight end because the wait for track. Um, and that is a true, I've seen that quote as a true statement. Does that mean a couple of years from now, regardless of what team he's suiting up for, that he's 100% going to be a full-time tight end? I don't think we can say that either. Like I think this kid's going to get on a campus and everybody's going to work together including with his own input decide the best spot for him, you know? So I think right now if you're South Carolina, this is and this is what they're doing, it's about being open to him playing whatever. I mean, snap the ball to him if you have to. Like just yeah. you know, it's he can do it all, but I don't I don't think we can accurately predict where he's going to be playing ball at or even what position he's playing at this point.
1: Yeah. And that's why we listed him as, you know, we we threw him in that edge category because he's very capable of doing that with his physical profile. If he continued developing as a football player, this is a guy that's like number one overall NFL draft pick as an edge rusher type talent, because He's 6'5", 230, and can run – what did he run in the 200? I'm more even impressed by the 200 than the 100. I mean, the the 200 time was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was the fourth fastest time in the U.S. by uh, a high school sprinter ever at at that size. Not like the stat is in general. I'm saying he did it at his size. So the physical profile is amazing. Does he want to play tight end because of? Track? Yes, right. That has been said. But that's one of the things you got to figure out. I mean, the first thing that came to mind, I mean, Chris Culliver was a, wanted to be a wide receiver and was a wide receiver. And he was a wide receiver when he got to South Carolina for a while until he wasn't. Then he was a DB. He ended up going and playing in the league as a DB. So uh, I, I think that the general point is you, you figure that out. You know, you work with everybody and figure that out. South Carolina and most other schools, I would imagine, do not care what he's saying about where he wants to play or even what you you get him and you figure it out. Where South Carolina is, is they, to overuse the phrase, you know, the whole seat at the table thing, they're there, they're invited to the party. He's going to be in town for an official visit this season, which has been the expectation for Nick Carver. That was kind of the missing piece for South Carolina. They got him on campus for a really good unofficial last summer. They got him on campus for a really good unofficial this summer. Hasn't seen a game yet, so can they get him on in Williams Rice for a game? Have him see that atmosphere? The answer looks like yes. And for a guy that has, I think, a top seven, Wes
0: mm-hmm. scoring
1: one of those five official visits is a key. I mean, you, that doesn't mean South Carolina's leading or that they're definitely going to get him, but they are heavily, heavily in the mix, and that's about as as a good a spot as you can be in right now.
0: Yeah, and if you're watching this is him going flying off the edge on this video right now, if you're on the YouTube version of the show. But um, you know, we had a couple more questions, Zach, um, about you know, how we would see him see the next wide back like Bell or Debo. See, I I don't I don't think so. I mean, you're talking about he's so tall, he's so long is the thing. Um, you know, especially from a and I know the track comment was more about his size but uh, and not wanting to get over a certain weight, I would think, if he's going to excel at track. But also, I don't think this is the guy you necessarily are going to give the ball like Jaheim or Debo on jet sweeps or handing it off out of the backfield. At 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you don't want him taking the beating on his knees for that either. Almost, man, depending on what size he ends up playing at, this dude could be a wide receiver. Like he could be Calvin Johnson. Like you could just Yeah. You know, see him right here. He's he's outside. Um you know, if that's a huge part of the equation and this this kid's going to really pursue being an Olympic athlete uh, on track, which he very well could. Um I think if he's on offense, that becomes a possibility of just hey, let's 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 put him out there as wide as possible and who are you going to cover? What, what cornerback are you rolling out there to cover this guy? Good luck. I mean, am, I, am it, it, I crazy, Chris?
1: No, not at all. I mean, when you look him around, when you look at him on film, I mean, he looks like a long-limbed, you know, wide receiver, like like you said. I, I can see that. Th- there are a lot of different th- – I do think, you know, he is J- – Jaheim and Debo are a lot closer together in terms of player than Nick Carver is to, to either one of them. And I think Jaheim and Debo are still a good bit different, you know, in terms of their skill set. But, um, Harbor, you used a good word. I mean, he is a unicorn. It's almost his athletic profile and ability almost makes it even difficult (laughs) to figure out what to do with him. Cause a lot of guys like, this is what he is. Well, with him, you don't know. You're almost scared Mm -hmm. to make the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, You know, if he's playing tight end goodness, are you, Underutilizing him, probably at least if he's on the edge, he's he's there every play, you know. Tight end, are you asking a guy that's that big that can run, you know, you would assume four threes, four four at absolute worst? You're asking him to go block somebody half the time. I mean, I, I don't know so. Um, it, it will almost be a challenge i think at the college level to figure out how to best utilize him he'll, he'll do i think he'll do anything you ask him to quite well but just trying to figure that out back to the recruiting angle real quick west throw this in lsu i think is the current leader on the R3, on 3 rpm which is the recruiting prediction machine it utilizes both what humans think people that cover recruiting predictions and machine learning based on a lot of different metrics to predict. Obviously too early to sit here and all of us go start posting on message boards that LSU is going to get Harbor, but they're in the mix. Michigan is one that I have my antenna up on Wes. His comments about Michigan to Chad Simmons the other day were very interesting. He is a high academic kid. I think his mother's a pharmacist. His father works for NASA. So Academics are obviously very important there as well. Michigan has pretty strong reputation there. So those are a few other – not all the schools to watch, but those are a few others to watch as well.
0: Yeah, Travis making a great point. says if he plays tight end, I hope he turns into Kyle Pitts. That's probably a pretty good – just stylistically, skill set-wise, pretty good idea of how you would use him. I mean, Kyle Pitts was a tight end, but – I mean, Dan Mullen was moving this guy all over the place, and he was lining up not just in the slot, but – far outside as like a true wide receiver a lot as well so that that would be probably I think the maybe an ideal or at least a, a good snapshot of, of what you'd want to do with him but I, I, I agree with you Chris man it's like a great problem to have but it's kind of scary if you're the coach with this kid's future in your hands trying to figure that out you know it's like it's not like wide receiver and defensive end are similar where she's like, well, you know, it's not working out. Let's just move him back over. Okay. We just wasted a year with him getting used to yep. playing defensive end. You know, it's like that. Yep. It, it's kind of like when Major League Baseball, I, I look at it like Major League Baseball teams, like franchises, when they have a great pitcher slash hitter, how do you decide? which side to make this guy go all in on. And you know, he could excel maybe at both of them, but what's the best thing for this kid? What's the best thing for your program? What's the best thing for everybody involved? It's kind of, again, it is a little bit scary actually.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, You know, it's not, it's not really feasible A lot of people still talk about, I'm going to play two sports in college. And some do it. Some do it. Not as many as talk about doing it, you know, because it (laughs) it becomes, once you get there, say, okay, yeah, this is going to be difficult. Or even if you you could feasibly do it, let's say there's a high school kid who uh, skips spring practice for football to stay baseball full time. You don't think you're going to get behind in football? Some of the others that are out there all the time, you are. And so even look zooming into the one sport, you know, in, in theory, you could just say, oh, well, I will just let him play both sides of the ball. It, it's not that easy, you know, for a lot of different reasons. So it will be fascinating to see where this guy ends up, number one, um, just in terms of his recruitment. Certainly with how this has gone, Wes, we'll be continuing to track that because South Carolina is heavily in it. And then number two, you know, where he ends up in terms of his position. So uh, we can – if South Carolina can land him, Wes – we may be des- devoting a full GC Live hour to where Nick Carver is going to play at the next level. If so, that'll be, I think, a good problem for the Gamecock fans to have. Yes, it
0: will be, man. And uh, I mean, he, this is one of those kids, man, that people want to talk about. They want to hear about it um, with good reason. Great player, Travis said. I was showing film with Javon Curse and say you could be him and a lock for the number one pick in the NFL draft, or be Pitts, who went fourth. <laughs> so I mean, pre- both of them are pretty. Yep. Uh, doing pretty well, I guess. But um, yeah, good stuff. That would be a fun show, actually. We well, could have Travis send us the clips of the guys he reminds him of.
1: Well, luckily, uh, good good recruiting pitch, Travis. I guess fortunately for South Carolina, Florida's yeah. not heavily in it, or that would be a good uh, that'd be a really good pitch for them. So,
0: yeah, maybe you, keep you
1: it Travis.
0: Make it Clowney and uh, Hayden Hurst or something. I guess. There you go, something
1: like that. Uh,
0: clowny and uh, Jared Cook, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think that's I think that's all I got, man. We could probably sit here like you said and oh yeah, on and on and on, but then the people would probably eventually cut it off. And two, I'm kind of tired of talking. So, <laughs> should we do this again soon? Let's
1: do it again soon.
0: All right, he is Chris. I'm Wes. Hey, pre- the numbers were great today. Appreciate. I can tell season is almost here. Y'all are like dialed in, which is awesome. Appreciate all the interaction today. Again, uh, Craig, Gamecock, Ryan, great to meet y'all on Saturday, man. Travis, pre- appreciate you hopping in. Uh, Gr- uh, Greg McClellan, appreciate you. Steel Curtain. Um, I miss some people. Jamie Henson, Zach. Uh, let's see. Who else? Aaron Gibson, Ricardo Pinkney. Shout out to everybody for joining, for interacting. We'll be back very soon. Appreciate our sponsors. Y'all have a great one. We'll talk to you then.